0: Jeremiah 30, verses 1 through 7. The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Write in a book all the words that I have spoken to you. For behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people, Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will bring them back to the land that I gave to their fathers, and they shall take possession of it. These are the words that the Lord spoke concerning Israel and Judah. Thus says the Lord, we have heard a cry of panic, of terror, and no peace. Ask now and see, can a man bear a child? Why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Why has every face turned pale? Alas, that day is so great, there is none like it. It is a time of distress for Jacob, yet he shall be saved out of it. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: All right. Thank you, Hoffs. Let's go ahead and um, thank them as they make their way down. Um, And guys, yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, Yeah, again, yeah, thank you guys just for for sharing. And so now, somewhat as they shared, and I'm going to kind of explain again this Advent, this idea of Advent, and and every year we pause and we enter into it. And it's kind of a two-part time, all right? uh, Candidly, as we first began, the church, even for me, was kind of a confusing idea to wrap my mind around. It was like, okay, do we kind of forget that we know that Jesus came and kind of just pretend that, you know, we don't know what's coming yet. Like, oh, we're going to open a present. Like, I tend to buy myself Christmas gifts. It's a terrible character flaw. Um, my wife and I have kind of grown to just embrace um, my how picky I am. But, um, but that said, it's not like I'm like, what's it going to be, right? And, like, and sometimes we think that's what we do in this time. Well, instead, what we do is we do um, kind of stand in solidarity and remember and kind of try to experience what it would have been like to understand the significance of Jesus' first coming, of the anticipation of Him coming throughout for God's people, holding on to God's promises from years, um, for, for thousands of years, coming up to the first coming, the arrival of Jesus, the birth of Jesus. But that's not all it is, right? It's not just that we kind of prepare that. On one hand, that helps fight against the, every other cultural narrative that we're in dur- during this time of year specifically. It helps us to remember the significance of Christ first. But it also, and again, for thousands of years, the church has, has also entered into this time to help us now in the present continue to live with anticipation, with hope in the second coming of Jesus. And so, again, it's not just that we think and remember, and it's all over on Christmas Day when Jesus is is bright, when we remember that he was born, but instead we also continue to have every day shaped and informed by our anticipation, our hope in in the second coming, the second advent of Jesus. All right, so that's where we are in this time together, and each week, again, for the next five weeks, that's where we'll be walking through, building up to Christmas Eve, um, again, to help ignite and, and shape us with anticipation and hope. So with that, we're in Jeremiah um, chapter 30. If you'll raise your hand if you need a copy of God's word um, to follow along with. We're going to be in a few different places. But, yeah, hold your hands up high and keep it up if you need a Bible to follow along with. E en español, si quiere la Biblia y no tiene, por favor, levan su mano y diga español. Y si no... Tiene una Biblia, eso es un regalo a usted, y esta mañana estamos en el libro de, I don't know how to say Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah. there it is, thank you, Senora Boyd, um, helping my family, she's a teacher in Spanish. So anyway, um, if you do need a Bible, hold your hand up and get one, and now um, let's pray, all right, as we get into our time in el libro de Jeremiah, all right. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank you that you are a God of consistency that even we see in the scriptures, um, you created the world in a, in a system that you had planned and foreordained and it ended on the seventh day with you r- r- resting and then you called us to, to remember your work and to Sabbath each week as that kind of cycle came around. And then on a yearly boom basis, in the same way that as the earth revolves around the sun and we walk through each year from January to December, we also come around yearly this this time of year where we remember um, the advent, the first coming of Jesus, and, and, and we gather as a church, not just here in Tucson, not just here at Redemption, but around the world, Lord, in Syria and Iraq and um, Indonesia and, and, and in Argentina and, and throughout, Lord, um, uh, uh, the entire world in N- Nigeria. We, we, your people, um, remember your first coming and then anticipate your second coming, and so we pray that you'll shape us Together here in Tucson and around the world as we come together as your people under your word. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray, Amen. So we read there in Jeremiah, right? You might be wondering, well, why are we kicking off Christmas time in Jeremiah? Um, Let me just kind of give some of the backstory of what was going on in Jeremiah. if, if you recall, we were studying in Daniel just up until last week, right? We were in this, in this series called Exiles, right? And we talked about what it meant to be God's faithful people as exiles in a foreign land. Well, Jeremiah was written um, right before that time, right before God's people would be taken from um, their land, from Israel, from Jer- Jerusalem, and taken to be- Babylon. This was written. The prophet Jeremiah wrote um, on behalf of God's people. He, he or, or, or to God's people. Jeremiah wrote kind of as a mouthpiece of God to share God's plan and His character and His work and what He's doing. And it included things, right, that we just read about troubles that they're currently in, and also a lot of brokenness they're about to experience, right. And so there's this message, as we read right earlier. And um, like in verse, in verse 3, he promises, he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will restore the fortunes of my people. Well, in that time, they hadn't fully lost their f- fortunes. So perhaps like some of us in here, we're like, life's kind of good right now. Life fe- feels good. And yet the message is um, you can have hope in God because he will restore what will be taken from you. And so there's this reality of even the brokenness you're about to experience, God will restore. Okay, so you can hope in Him, you can find yourself in Him. But for others, there's time where it's like, right? Like we got to hear this morning, like I've lost, and I don't know if I could continue to lose. But the message is, in the long run, ultimately, big picture here, your current status, your current life can be shaped by the promise that God will restore ultimately, long-term, okay, you can have hope that He will restore. So the theme that we're in this morning, and we'll walk through again different ones each week as we look at a different aspect of hope, this morning we're looking at anticipated hope. And again, that's what the people in Jeremiah, where they were, their context was one of anticipated hope right? But then it goes on, and, and, and he begins now to, to, to talk about these things, which is kind of funny. Okay, it's okay to laugh at God's Word. As we read there, I think I even heard a couple people chuckle, right? He says, ask now and see. Okay, I'm in verse 6. Can a man bear a child? Um, I, most people should be able to answer that in here, okay? Hopefully, you know the answer is no. Okay, that's not how this, how this works. Um, if you ever watched that weird movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger in the 80s, like But even that, it's like not true, okay? Doesn't work. So, no, a man cannot bear a child. Why then do I see every man with his hands on his stomach like a woman in labor? Just pick, like, God's word is so graphic and telling sometimes. It's like life is hard. This picture of like ulcers, right? Anxiety, stress, frustration, of like, man, life is difficult. And he's saying, okay, so I know men can't give birth to babies, so why then does it look like they're walking around like, and I guess they must have some beer bellies also, because they're kind of like walking around looking like pregnant, right? Like they're pregnant women. He says, why then has every every face turned pale? It's, it's, again, enter into this reality of the world is broken. There's so much sin going on. And again, it's going to get worse. We know because we just studied in Daniel, it gets worse, right? They get invaded. They get taken um, kind of in, in, in different increments. They get taken away from their home to a different land as exiles, right, a foreign land. So, again, imagine there where we are and, and, and we're struggling, but it's going to get even worse, and yet this message of hope comes and it's like, well, how, how, like, how? How do, I, how do I wrap my mind around that? How does that inform my life? Right, and yet God's promise there in verse seven, alas, it just gets worse. The day is so great, there is none like it and it is a time of distress for Jacob. That means all of God's people who are from the family, the line of Jacob, his name was changed to Israel. yet, he shall be saved out of it. I loved when Ryan read the scripture r- r- reading. He captured that, that, that stark contrast, right? It's just building. It's getting worse. Men look like they're pregnant, walking around with their hands on their tummies. Times are so difficult. It's so broken. There's, there's weeping. And if you've ever read Jeremiah, you know it's, it's full of this kind of, this entering into this. Unlike in our time where you turn up the r- r- radio to hear the the, the the Christmas music and right try to slap on a smile and and perhaps even at church this is a place where we feel like we've got to muster it up or some of us perhaps I, I know I often feel we feel kind of like you know like herky jerky we get whiplash because there is joy like this time isn't all bad and all gloomy and we're in, in but but there, we're also just aware of pain of 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 suffering of of uh, one description used of sin is just the world's not the way it's supposed to be, right? We read the news, we look around, we hear stories of friends, we, 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 we look at our own family, we consider the gathering of our own family, even the best families among us, right? Which is kind of a, like not even a, a truth, right? That there is such a thing. But even those, like there's still just brokenness, whether it's physical, emotional, mental, relegational. And yet the message of God throughout his scriptures, all right, even in, in, in this broken world is his people will be saved. You can anticipate with hope. And in fact, God even gave some really clear details throughout his word. Now, some of you might know some of this, but some of you don't. Like throughout God's word, right, there were thousands and thousands of years before Jesus would come and be born, right? Before, um, you know, A.D., right, 1 A.D., right, before Jesus, which is just a crazy coincidence, isn't it, that, like, Jesus happened to be born. Okay, sorry, you guys, you with me, (laughs) right? Like, okay, Jesus was born, right, 1 A.D., the whole calendar was shaped around him, okay, so Christmas is a significant time historically, right? Like, the entire world's calendar is shaped by this reality. Well, even before that, God dropped little hints where his people could hold on to hope. That when he would come, when that first advent would come, that they would know that God is a God who fulfills his word, who keeps his word. That, that, that you can hold on to hope. In fact, one verse of many is in Micah chapter 5, where there's this, there's this promise there. And, and this is 400 years before Jesus would be born. And yet, look at what God wrote in his word in the Old Testament. Testament, but you, O Bethlehem Ephratath, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, but from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient of days. Even the exact location of Jesus' birth. And just by the way, kind of time out, if you're someone who's more prone to be in... or you kind of, you know, wonder about these things, or if it was all figured out afterward. Um, n- no, okay? God's Word, the entire Old Testament, as you press into it, is full, right? We talked about some last year in D- Daniel. These things weren't put in there after the fact. Okay, throughout, again, over thousands of years, different authors, different cultural contexts, different realities going on, God's people... Who he called together and promised to bring hope to the entire world through these people, he continually gave, gave hints, gave promises of how and what he would do. And one of them was the exact location. Now, again, if we're here this morning, right, we're just kind of cruising along, we sing songs, and I forget what, there's one about a oh, little town of. Bethlehem, right, and we're like, oh yeah, Bethlehem, whatever. Well, when this was written, okay, four hundred years before Jesus was born, was 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 born. It was um, it was it was promised and it was declared where he would be born. Now again, Bethlehem, it wasn't like. And someone famous is gonna rise up from among you in this land called Hollywood, right? And we're like, oh yeah, I've heard, you know, right? Like where, where famous people come from, right? No, he, he picked an obscure small town that no one would know about, that people wouldn't be like, oh, clearly it's gonna be from there. No, but God, God continually um, reveals his trustworthiness by, by declaring what he would do in the most unlikely ways. 400 years before he was born, Just to kind of help us wrap our minds around this. Um, What was going on in the world in 1618? Right? Like, again, some history buffs. I know, Jake Wilhelm, who leads Redemption Youth, is a history guy and probably knows something. But I actually looked it up. And it was just, I mean, how far, how long ago, okay? First of all, our country wasn't a country, right? Some of you didn't know that. Some of you ASU grads. Now you know. Sorry, I got to get it in a little bit. I held my tongue last week, right, after we got whooped by ASU, and now, now I'm back. Okay, now I can, I got a little more fire, more bite. No. Right, but like, what was going on at that time? It was, it was uh, we don't know. It was, I mean, that was forever ago, right, 400 years ago. Imagine the details in our world right now being declared with great detail of what would come now. Okay, so imagine, that's the reality of the world that Jesus was born into, fulfilling just incredible number of promises that God had laid out, and yet God's people were continually anticipating what he would do, and yet with a level of uncertainty. And that's true of us today, and that was true of his people, even his closest followers who walked with Jesus. In fact, look ahead now with me, okay? We're gonna skip over the birth of Jesus right now, okay? Don't worry, in the coming weeks, we'll really get into, okay, Mary and Joseph and all these things, right? And the shepherds and all that stuff, okay? Don't worry. But right now, we're gonna skip ahead to that, again, to to help us understand what it looks like to live as God's people with an anticipated hope. Look with me. In Luke chapter 24. So this is after Jesus was born, all right, and he had had his people, had walked along with him and had followed him, had seen him walk on water, commit all kinds of miracles, right, heal people, raise people from the dead, do all this stuff. And then he had talked about how he would die on a cross and they still probably, like many of us, fail to live in light of the hope that he's declared, his trust worthiness and just forget and miss all these details. So Jesus dies on the cross. And man, we think that time in Jeremiah that we just looked at was hopeless. Like how much more hopeless would it feel like to be God's people, to be building your hope, your trust. You've put your faith in Christ. He's done all these things. And then he dies on the cross, which was a despicable, shameful, horrible way to go. And you sit there and you see your king Your your God that you've put your hope in, just he's gone. He dies, he breathes his last, and he's gone. Imagine what it's like for that group of people, his followers, to have hope in him. And that's the context around when some of his followers kind of caught up with him, or rather he caught up with them on the road to Emmaus. Okay, so they're walking along, they're discouraged, and this stranger, right, comes alongside them, and start saying, "Hey, why are you guys so sad?" And they're like, "Are you crazy? Are you n- n- new to town? Have you not heard about this Jesus?" And they they basically tell the story of Jesus' life and his death. And there's just hopeless. And then Jesus, who they don't recognize because he's already risen from the dead. Okay. Further fulfillment of hope has already happened. Jesus is already raised from the dead. The the greatest source of hope we could ever have is that Jesus has died and risen from the dead. And yet his followers, again like many of us today, are just walking with heads hung low, hopeless. Life not defined by the reality of who he is and what he's done. And then this is what he says to them in verse 25 of Luke 24. O oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Again, Jeremiah, Daniel, right? These prophets from of old. Um, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Again, was it not told to you from way back in the Old Testament? Was it not been told to you in the scriptures what would happen? And then, beginning with Moses, I love this in verse 27. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Like what we're doing this morning, Jesus... The great teacher, the rabbi, the Messiah, the one who would be born in a manger, the one who would lay down his life on the cross, the one who would raise from the dead, the creator of all things, very God, the one through whom and for whom all things were made, walks through the entire Old Testament. That's Moses, okay? That's the first five books of the Bible, and then all the prophets, all the teachings of Scripture, and he shows, hey, listen, God's people have been living with an anticipated hope based on God's promises this whole time. And those promises have been fulfilled in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So why are your heads so hung low? I know you're in a seemingly hopeless time right now. I know life is hard, okay? God never, hear me now, God never dismisses our pain. He never slaps on a smile or tells us, hey, suck it up, pretend it's all good this Christmas season, right? Go shopping, go into debt, whatever you have to do to try to make, you know, Christmas a happy time. No, that's not God's message. That's the the broken message of the world that so many of us buy into. God's message is I see your pain. I see the brokenness in the world around you. I'm not calling you to pretend it's not there, yet I'm calling you to be informed, to be shaped by the promises that I've made that will always come true, that will never leave you disappointed in the long run. And again, for us, just like for them, it was based upon the clearest picture of God's faithfulness, the clearest picture of the hope we can have in Him, is that He came and was born in the most unlikely way. And He died on the cross, and then He victoriously rose from the dead. And so read with me one more place here in Acts chapter 1, which is such a picture of you and I this morning, and where we're standing. And this is kind of the second volume of Luke, right? We just read in Luke... In Acts chapter 1, the, the, um, we, we see this picture of, okay, so they get it now, right? The followers are confused, and Jesus, and actually in that case, what happens is he breaks bread, right? They take communion, basically, and at that time, their eyes are open. They're like, oh, oh, Jesus, the fulfillment of the hope that God's people have been anticipating for thousands of years, oh, the one who was born of a virgin, just like the scripture said in Bethlehem, the city of David. Oh, the one that we saw brutally murdered on a cross. Oh, you rose from the dead, just like the scripture said all throughout. Oh, so now they're with him. And then, now pick up with me what happens in chapter 24, verse one. So on the first day of the week, okay, that's Sunday, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. Nope, I'm in Luke. Thank you. It takes a village. All right, I'll just read it from here. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Again, just remember, like many of us, like, like what the Hof so, so vulnerably and, and so honestly shared, when, how long, now, this time around? They asked this same question, are you gonna restore the kingdom? Are you gonna set things right? Is this the time when you're gonna wipe away every tear? Is, the, is this the time when hope will be fully realized? And he said to them, not in a like finger wagging, like, oh come on, idiots. <laughs> right? And sometimes we think that's what God knows but with a tender, gentle tone, he said to them, It's not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So at that time they're asking this question: God, are now are you going to restore this brokenness? Are you going to heal? And He says, "It's not. It's not up to you. You don't need to know the time. That'll. It's in God's grace. He doesn't give us all those details. But hold on to hope. Hold on to hope based on the fulfillment of the promises that I have 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 accomplished all throughout." remember, have hope, and then he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and they're standing there looking up, right, mouths open, and then, while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men, and those are angels, stood by them in white robes, and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven." This is where we are today, this morning. As we're in this Advent season, this, this arrival, this coming, we're in a similar place where we remember the first coming of Jesus. We have the benefit of looking back and seeing the fulfillment of God's promises. Of seeing God's people holding on with an anticipated hope for thousands and thousands of years. And we have the benefit of looking back and seeing that hope was, 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 was founded and was fulfilled on the first coming of Jesus. And on his perfect life and his death and his victorious resurrection. And then similarly, as we gather together in this season, we look up and we say, Jesus, when are you coming back? And the message is, you don't need to know when. You don't need to know all the details. But you need to know I am coming back. There's a second advent that's meant to define how you live right now. It's meant to define your lives. It's meant to define this season. It's meant for parents to define what it looks like when we walk with our kids through this season. It's meant to define when we're in this time of joy and sadness and brokenness and, 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 and healing and hope and confusion. And it's all mixed together. We're meant to walk as his people with an anticipated hope. Let me share with you one more passage that I won't have up here on the screen because I didn't plan on it. Actually, Andrew Tang shared it, and I was like, that's good. I'm going to use that. Again, it takes a village to preach a sermon. Amen. This is what he shared from Romans 8, verse 24, defining what this kind of anticipatory hope looks like. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Church, as we prepare to respond right now, as throughout this season, we kind of, we kind of sit, we 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 pause, and we we stand in this theme of hope. What does it look like for us in our homes, as families, in our in our shopping? in our hanging up lights, in our, in our details, in our perhaps working extra hours in order to try to provide a Christmas for our kids that we really want them to have but we're not sure we can provide, and keeping up with the Joneses. Again, just all that's going on, what does it look like for us in our communities, in our families, in our gathering as a church together? What does it look like for us to cultivate, to, to build a kind of hope that shapes us And the second coming of Jesus in light of the fulfillment of his first coming. Let's pray together as we respond. Again, Heavenly Father, thank you that you're good. Thank you that you fulfill your promises. Lord, thank you that in this moment right now, um, we can pause. Lord, I pray that through your spirit, you would lead us as we respond, as we sing, that I know there are people in this room who who are in places where we wonder, God, are you trustworthy? Does it make sense to have hope in you or, or, or is that just vain? Does that just lead to further pain and disappointment? Lord, I pray that you would enable us to look back. Lord, to remember in this season your first coming. Lord Jesus, you fully god taking on flesh and breaking into our world as a baby and then living for around 30 years and then dying on a cross again it's no coincidence that the manger and the cross is right next to each other on this stage and then lord the fullest the fullest and clearest picture of the fulfillment of your hope of your of your promises you raised from the dead lord can we where we are right now look back And Lord, remember the the, the fulfillment of your promises. And Lord, would that inform, Lord, would that instill a hope in us as we now live as your people and we look ahead with anticipation for your second coming. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.